You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. my God. He is the God of Israel. Why? Where's that? They declaring him God. Yes, that's great. That's great. That's like somebody saying, oh, I know Jesus Christ. Well, great. So does this demon over here know Jesus Christ. He knows them by name. See, they didn't have any relationship with the one true living God. He is God. Now they fell to their faces. Tragically, it was only a momentary persuasion. There was no lasting revival in Israel. The Israelites witnessed a great miracle on Mount Carmel and saw God do the impossible, yet it didn't change their heart or cause them to believe in Him. Today, Pastor Dave will challenge you to examine yourself and see if you not just know God, but believe and trust Him. You may think that knowing about God is good enough, He wants more. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18 as he continues his message, Fire from Heaven. God is God, let him be God. You're going to worship God, worship him. So common, we waver back and forth. We're not really sure. I offer, then I take it back. I become unstable. And you know how I think. Come on, you guys have been around here for a while. You know how I think. All of a sudden, there's a song in my head from a movie. There's a song in my head from a movie. It's the movie Oklahoma. And this girl's saying, for me, it's all or nothing. Is it all or nothing for you? That's what God is saying. I'm all in, guys. How about you? It's all or nothing. You're either with God all the way or you're not. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in God. You can't do it. It's all or nothing. Be the poker player and go all in. It's all in for God. And that's what God is saying to us. So Elijah calls them out. Come on, guys. Get with it. Follow God. You're his children. You're his chosen all right, you don't want to? Then follow Baal. But stick with one or the other. Stop wavering back and forth. You know, maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you have the same problem. Maybe you only believe God when everything is going right. But when trouble comes, all of a sudden, you're looking for the answer somewhere else. Maybe you only believe him when things are great. Maybe if he doesn't answer your prayer fast enough, you decide, well, i got to take matters into my own hands. No. No. I'm here to tell you, no. Don't do this. Don't do this. I learned a hard lesson like this even when I wasn't a Christian. I learned a very, very hard lesson about taking matters into my own hand. It was at a school. I was working at a school in Colorado, and I was having trouble with the kid. Yeah, kids give you trouble now and then. I was having a trouble with the kid, and I needed an assistant principal. And I went down to my favorite assistant principal, and I wanted him. And I really needed him bad because this kid was giving me a lot of trouble. He was busy. He was busy, and I wouldn't wait, so I went to the other assistant principal. Boy, when this assistant principal got out of his office, boy, did he rip me. He was mad at me for going to the other assistant principal. He really ripped, and I thought, this is what's happening here. We don't need no other God. We have a God, the one true living God. 
And through Jesus Christ, we have access to him. Read, read Ephesians 1, 2, 3. And all the blessings that we've gotten in Jesus Christ. Why would we go looking elsewhere? If God is God, follow him. So Elijah says, all right, let's play a game. Let's play a game. We're going to have a challenge. Let's find out once and for all who's who. Okay, prophets of Baal, you get to choose the bull. You get to build your altar first. You get to do the sacrifice first. Do everything you want. And by the way, take all the time you want. I'll wait. I love Elijah. No, when Elijah said he was the only prophet, he does say he's the only prophet. It wasn't true, remember. He was not the only prophet. He was the only prophet there. There were still 100 prophets in caves. Remember that, okay? He was only 100 prophets, okay? Interesting, here Elijah is outnumbered 850 to 1. And he's probably thinking, I got these guys right where I want them. <laughs> I got them right where I want them. This is great. This isn't even a fair fight. The odds are in God's favor. This is great. Let's see what happens here. I love this. This is fantastic. Here's where the rules. Place the bull on the altar, no fire. Call upon your God, whoever God, whichever God lights the fire, it's God. Yeah, people are going, yeah, all right, we can deal with that. Let's do it. The prophets of Baal went first, got their bull together, they built their altar, and they started crying out to Baal, morning to evening. But there was no voice from heaven. Morning till evening. They got mad, so they jumped up and down on top of the altar, crying out to their God. <laughs> and you got to love I love Elijah. It's like Elijah had a great big stick and he was going to poke him a little bit. I love it. In verse 27. I love verse 27. I get a kick out of it. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Um, either he is meditating or maybe he's busy. Well, maybe he's on a journey. Oh, I got it. He's sleeping and you better not wake him up. I love that. And Elijah's mocking them. Elijah's giving them the old what for. And then these guys, these guys proceed to self-mutilate. They start cutting themselves because this is what they did to get Baal's attention. This was one of, remember I said the rituals for Baal were horrible and immoral? They're cutting themselves and doing horrible things. But Baal ignored their call. Gee, I wonder why. Baal ignored the call. So finally, finally at 3 o'clock, which was time for the evening sacrifice in Jerusalem, Elijah said, step back, guys. My turn. Step back. So the first thing he does is he rebuilds the altar of the Lord. Now, there must have been some ancient altar dire for the Lord. And I went back and I looked and I studied and I looked and I couldn't find reference to it. But he says it repaired the altar. That's what the words are used. He repaired the altar of the Lord. So at one time, there was an altar of some sort there. And he repaired it according to what the scripture says. So it was there. So he revived it and take it there. He took 12 stones, one for each of Jacob's sons, the 12 tribes. Because Jacob was called Israel. That's what he said. He used these 12 stones. And he's trying to reaffirm the spiritual unity that these people had with God. He's trying to confirm this. They had a spiritual unity. Oh, you're from Manasseh. That's one of Joseph's sons. Oh, you're, you're, you're from Natali. You know, you're, you're from here. You're from there. And he was trying to reaffirm their spirituality, trying to get them to come back, despite their division. He knew it. 
And what's interesting here, Elijah gave all the advantage to the prophets of Baal, and now he gives God all the disadvantages, all the handicaps, if you want. I love it. He says, let's make it interesting. Here is the altar. Here's the wood. Um, hmm, what's missing? I got it. Dig a trench. Well, they dug a trench around the whole thing. Hmm, what's missing? Let's pour some water on the altar. These guys must have thought he was nuts. So they go and they get all this water and they pour it on the water. Now, some believe it was salt water. Some believe it was salt water from the Mediterranean, but the Mediterranean Sea was a long way from Carmel. A long way. But anyhow, they're pouring water on that. Not once, not twice, three times they pour water on this altar. Time for the evening sacrifice in Jerusalem. Elijah lifts up his voice and he cries out to the Lord. He prays to the God of the covenant. He reminds God of his covenant with the nation Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, which he's called Israel. He wanted God to be glorified as the true living God, the God of all Israel. He wanted all to know that he, Elijah, was God's servant. He wanted to know that. He prayed consistently, speaking in a constant devotion to the Lord. His prayer wasn't lengthy. His prayer wasn't flowery. It didn't pray. He didn't pray for three hours. He prayed very simply. Probably if you read these verses, it'll probably only take you 12 seconds to read through. It's a very simple prayer. Note Elijah's words. I don't want anything. I'm not dictating what you do. I'm not, I don't want a thing. But he's speaking authority of God's word. He's speaking the authority of God's word. And as he's praying, Boom, this fire comes down from heaven. And not only does it consume the, the bull, but it consumes all the wood. It basically consumes the rocks, and it licks the water out of the trench, and that's all gone too. It's supposed to, what a sight. What an incredible sight. Can you imagine the look on the people's faces when this happened? I would have loved to have seen the look on my face when I stepped out of that bus and went, wait a minute, I smell fire. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? That was crazy. Can you imagine? Where did it come from? Did they hear it? Or did, I mean, wonder, wonder how it came. I mean, wow. I mean, when the Holy Spirit fell, they heard a rushing wind. And then they had tongues of fire on their head, remember? It was like a rushing wind that came down. I wonder if they heard anything like that. I don't know what it does to say. But Wow. Can you imagine? What did Ahab think? I mean, was he sitting there and saw that and did he go, uh-oh. I mean, what was he thinking? I mean, come on. I love this kind of stuff. People fall on their faces before the Lord. They cry out loud, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. What bothered me about this? Now, maybe it's me. What bothered I know the history of Israel. Maybe you do too. What bothered me about this? What's missing from the Lord? He is God. The Lord, he is God. Come on. There's my biblical scholars. What's missing? Yeah. The Lord, he is our God. He is my God. He is the God of Israel. Why? Where's that? They declaring him God. Yes, that's great. That's great. That's like somebody saying, oh, I know Jesus Christ. Well, great. So does this demon over here know Jesus Christ. He knows him by name. See, they didn't have any relationship with the one true living God. He is God. Now they fell to their faces. Tragically, it was only a momentary persuasion. 
There was no lasting revival in Israel. There was no lasting time where they all ran back to the Lord. They were, they were persuaded, but it didn't last long. How many people come in, they come into church, they get fired up, they hear something great, they want to accept Christ, and they leave and nothing ever happens. They go back to their old ways. How many people come in? <laughs> I love the people that come in and say the wrong words to me. I always listen to the words people say to me. And the people who come in, and this is, I don't think this is, I don't think I'm wrong here. I had to go back and look, think of my brain and let it run through. But I don't know how many people. But when somebody comes into me and they walk up to me at the end of the service and go, this was the greatest service I've ever been to. I'm going to be back every single week from now on. I never see him again. I love that. I just chuckle and go, okay, hey, we're here. <laughs> well, they didn't have a relationship with God. I mean, he does this, does this wonderful, incredible thing before their eyes, and he doesn't, they don't have a relationship. See, we all want to see a miracle. Everybody wants to see a miracle, but will a miracle save someone? It might. Will it? It might. But we rely too much on the miracle and not enough on the Word of God. We rely too much on the miracle. And since this contest between Yahweh and Baal, the prophets of each God had the responsible for the respective results. The great sin of Ahab was his problem. It was his sponsorship of the prophets of Baal. And he was a fraud because Baal was a fraud and he was exposed right here. They had to be dealt with, and this is why they were killed. They had to be dealt with according to God's law. If you don't believe me, read Deuteronomy 13.5, read Deuteronomy 13 to 18, read Deuteronomy 17, 2 to 5, or 18, 9 to 22. These prophets had to be dealt with according to God's law. It seems cruel, it seems harsh, yes. But they had to be dealt with according to God's law. We always forget about God's judgment. We all love God's mercy and we all love God's grace. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I love God's mercy and I love God's grace. My goodness. But we need to remember there is judgment. There is judgment. And these prophets of Baal had to pay the piper. They had to answer to God for their taking Israel and leading on them astray. There is a very, very high price to pay for leading someone astray. There is an extremely high price to pay for leading someone astray. And that's why we who teach here, we who teach here at Calvary Chapel, I don't care what they teach anyplace else, but we who teach here at Calvary Chapel, we try to be as right as we can. Will we make a mistake? Yes. But we try to be as right as we can because there is a high price to pay for teaching false information. There's a high price to pay. We need to be extra careful, extra careful. So we'll finish up the chapter of the drought ends. Praise God. Look at this. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to the servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, 
say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with the clouds and the wind and the rain was heavy rain. And there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Elijah prays again. And you can read about the fervent prayer of a righteous man in James 5, 17 and 18. He prays again, and the rain comes. He looks seven times. Seven is God's perfect number. It's a number of completion. God was getting ready to end everything. He bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. Not a common way to pray. Not, not a common way to pray, but here he does this. It's a very unusual posture. He wasn't kneeling. He wasn't sitting. He wasn't standing. He wasn't laying prostrate before the Lord. But what did he have? According to James. Faith. He prayed in faith. So the position in which you pray is meaningless without faith. The position in which you pray is meaningless without faith. You can lay on the ground and pray, but if you don't have faith, I, I, Elijah put his head between his knees and prayed in faith, James says. Prayed in faith that the rain would come back. He knew God wanted to do this. He knew God wanted to do this. The great F.B. Meyer writes this, We scarcely recognize him. He seems to have lost his identity. A few hours before, he stood erect as an oak of Basham. Now he's bowed as a bulrush. Then as God's ambassador, he pleaded with a man. Now as God's intercessor, he pleads with God. Isn't it always so that men who stand straightest in the presence of sin bow lowest in the presence of God? I love that. Remember, Elijah was a man of like passions. He was a man of like passions. What was his secret? Not only did he pray in faith, but he prayed until something happened. He prayed until something happened. Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep praying. Do you know the parable of the woman and the judge? I love the parable of the woman and the judge that Jesus used for the persistency of prayer. How she went over to the judge's house early, early in the morning, probably late at night, early in the twilight, and knocking on the door. And she continued to pound on the door and pound on the door. The judge answered and said, go away. She kept on coming back, kept on coming back. And finally the judge says, okay, I'll give you what you want. That's what Jesus used as a demonstration of the power of prayer and how we need to be consistent and persistent in our prayer. Consistent and persistent in faith in our prayer. Elijah prayed with intensity, intensity, just as Jesus prayed with intensity in the garden as he's sitting there praying and he's sweating drops of blood from his head. He's praying with intensity. Not my will, but your will. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And then it ends bizarre. It, end, it, it really ends in a bizarre way. All of a sudden, Elijah becomes... A 400 runner. He becomes a track star. He be, runs like the wind. All of a sudden, he girds up his loins, which means he had to take his long robe and pick it up 
So his bare legs were showing, which is something men didn't do back then. Men did not run back then. Men did not run back then. So he had to pick up his robe, put it around his waist, and run. Well, according to this, he runs like the wind. The man must have been a track star. He must have been really good. Holy mackerel. Super Elijah. Well, it was like the cartoons where there was dust behind him as he was running. That's incredible. He runs to catch up with Ahab and Jezebel. Why? Was this a mistake? I don't remember God telling him to go run and catch up with Jezebel. Everything Elijah did up until this point, he was directed and commanded to do by God. And now all of a sudden he's running like the wind trying to catch up to their chariot. There was no rain and he was fed by the brook Cherif. He went to the widow's house and we saw the miracle after miracle after miracle. The flower never dried. Then the resurrection of her son and the fire that came down from heaven that burned up the thing of, of, of the sacrifice. Was he overconfident? Was, was Elijah experiencing some overconfidence here? I don't know. He was a man just like us. And sometimes we do feel the power of God in our lives. We feel blessing because of an event or something. We must be very careful to think that we had anything to do with it. We must be extremely careful to think that it was because of what we did or because of what I said or because of what everything that it happened. We must be very, very careful to not give God the proper credit, the proper glory for anything that happens in our lives because God is in complete control. He has everything in the palm of his hand and he's right now doing things. His sovereign hand, his, his providential hand is doing what it needs to do. I need to be crazy to take credit for what he's doing. Wow. Is that what he's doing? I don't know. But I'm going to leave you with this. He's going to see some devastating results of this. Elijah is going to see some devastating results as we go further because of this. We have to be very, very careful. God wants to do a mighty work in you. He wants to do a mighty work in each of you that are sitting here tonight. He has a perfect plan for you. He has a want to do a work in you. Let him do the work, but dare not take credit for the work that he does. Because if we take credit for the work that God does, there are devastating consequences. Devastating consequences. So we'll see what these are as we continue now through the book of 1 Kings. And because Elijah was a man who prayed in faith, and it didn't rain for three years, because Elijah was a man who prayed consistently, who prayed persistently to the Lord, who prayed until he got an answer, what a better segue to go into our prayer time. Maybe there's something that you need prayer for, and you haven't mentioned it yet. Pray consistently, pray persistently, pray with faith, believing, believing that God hears your prayer and that God wants to do all according to His will, according to His will. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 1 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you, and if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand and we'd still love for you to be part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com and don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we are grateful that you were a part of our listening audience today. Be sure to join us again next time for more from First Kings right here on Assure Hope.